0: You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you all have seemed to enjoy this as much as I do days before a pay-per-view event. And we have ourselves a doozy this Saturday, UFC 274 in Phoenix, Arizona. And when the UFC headed to Phoenix last time, one of the very few times I had FOMO for months because I wasn't there. So will this deliver the same kind of energy? There's a very good chance it will, won't it, John Annick Good to see you, my man. How are you?
1: Well. Uh, to see a pay-per-view week is underway and uh yeah phoenix glendale houston these uh markets are getting pretty fortunate with all these ufc pay-per-views coming to town you know it's one thing fight night here or there but you know some of these cities jacksonville as well getting like several big live events in a short amount of time so uh yeah we're excited to get back to the west coast quick turn for me i came back east headed back west now and uh 30 more fighters on my plate so we'll see uh we'll see if anything falls through the cracks michael
0: there we go, but it's uh it's always great to see you. You didn't have don't have the dapper suit on this time like you did uh, when we saw each other in Jacksonville. You looked like a, a couple of Billy and then some, but uh it, it is Tuesday afternoons to record this. I know I don't have a ton of time with you, so we had quite a three-course meal before UFC 273, like heading into it. Lots to talk about. We had two title fights, we had the epic encounter that delivered in them some between Hamzat Shemayev and Gilbert Burns. We we're bursting at the seams by the time Saturday in Jacksonville came around for those three fights in particular. How would you compare the level of excitement and intrigue for these top three fights this Saturday, the two title fights? And then, of course, Chandler versus Ferguson.
1: Gosh, you know, it's hard for me to properly quantify it, right? Because I get jacked up for a UFC fight night at the apex, right? Because there's always a name on the card that jumps off it for me. And the name Tony Ferguson jumps off any fight card for me and always will. And, you know, I find myself very frustrated as a Tony Ferguson fan uh, that his legacy stands where it sits right now. If I knew he was guaranteed to be getting in the Hall of Fame, I'd be good, you know. But the fact that he put that 12 fight lightweight winning streak on paper, the first 55er to have a double digit winning streak in the UFC, never fought for the undisputed title. Hasn't been finished in his last two, but at least as far as the odds makers and the betting public is concerned, very much up against it matchup wise this weekend. Um, I love Michael Chandler. I really do. I just hope that Tony fares well. And when Tony's on a card, it feels bigger. Uh, I paint him with that legend brush. And then after he fights, you know, we got a couple of championship belts. So uh, I'm excited, man. I'm excited to get back to uh, to Phoenix, Arizona. And the fans, uh, as you know, in that market are pretty into it. So we're uh, we're pretty geeked.
0: Let's talk about the main event. I feel like there's a a little bit of a trend with these top three fights. The lightweight title is on the line. We have Charles Oliveira defending against Justin Gaethje. And John, I don't know, man, I, I understand how good, how exciting, how dangerous Justin Gaethje is. He is one of our sports innovators of violence, if you will. But I'm getting this sense once again that everybody is looking past good old Charles Oliveira again, John. Those this guy can't handle it with the when the going gets tough questions are coming up again, which is hilarious because I thought after the Michael Chandler, the Dustin fights, those comeback finish wins that he had. We were past that, John. What is going on here? Do you feel like Oliveira, at least amongst the public, is being overlooked yet again?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. I would start by saying that when he made his UFC debut when he was 20 years old and he filled out his UFC fighter bio and the column was there for strengths, all he listed was heart. So I do believe that he has always had heart and that this is entirely overblown. He got a bad rap from the Max Holloway main event that obviously ended quickly due to injury. There have been other times where maybe, you know, he lived to fight another day and people sort of want to classify that as him quitting. Um, I love Charles Oliveira. I love his mental state. I think he has a championship aura, not unlike Alexander Volkanovsky. I don't want to say an aura of invincibility per se, Uh, but here's the deal. Like if you want to bet on the main event, right? Power to you. Like if you want to have action, I get it. And if you see value on Justin Gates, plus 145, have at it. But to me, as someone who bets on sports every day, can't you find something better in the book to bet against Charles Oliveira right now? I mean, look at him. I think most of us agree that he has more ways to win and that's not to shortchange Justin Gaethje, um, but Charles Oliveira is on fire right now. And, um, you know, I would fade him at your own peril. I really would.
0: fight is fantastic. Either way, because you have sort of the under-the-radar Oliveira who has been super exciting as of late, as you just said. Gaethje is exciting just walking to the mailbox. And look, there there have been bigger lightweight title fights than this in terms of star power. I mean, i versus Conor McGregor. That's always going to be the gold standard, but in terms of just like exciting, intriguing, stylistic matchups, this has to be right up there in terms of all time, intriguing, lightweight title fights, like not the star power, not the, this is going to do 2 million pay-per-view buys, but just in terms of X's and O's styles, this is right up there for me.
1: Oh, it's as good as it gets. And I think it's a good way to sort of set up the fight. I might have to sort of work that into my pay-per-view open, but no, I mean, Charles is so underappreciated, given the body of work and the greatness. And, you know, I'll, I'll, for the first time this week, I don't know if you've heard it, but people are starting to invoke the name Khabib Nurmagomedov and trying to somehow compare these legacies. And I'm not sure you can do it. You know, Khabib was 13-0 in the UFC. Oliveira's already at 20 UFC wins. He's riding this unbelievable double digit winning streak right now. And if he wins this weekend, he will have those names, Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje on the resume that Khabib had to close out his career. So certainly, you know, you can never take the 29 and 0 away from Khabib Nurmagomedov, but he didn't have that longevity in the UFC. That Charles Oliveira can lay claim to, and stylistically, um, he's never been in a boring fight. Even at times when people have questioned that version of Charles Oliveira, Justin Gaethje, I don't know that any sales pitch is needed, right? I mean, he's your favorite fighter's favorite fighter. Certainly, if the body of work for him was in the UFC, he'd be a first ballot Hall of Famer, just like Charles. Um, I'm just fascinated to see the early portions of this fight. One thing I will say on the Gaethje side, uh, it's crazy how close Michael Chandler was to winning a world championship in the. UFC, I think if Gaethje gets Oliveira on the ropes, he's got a good chance to put him away. I think he uh, he doesn't miss a lot in those situations.
0: That's very true. I- I'm curious. I-, I know it's hard to, like you said, quantify these types of questions. But who do you think needs this one more? Because there's certainly pressure on the champion to defend a thousand percent. But I feel like in this case, I feel like Oliveira. Really needs to win this one more than Gaethje does at this point in their careers because I feel like with the the, the backing Gaethje gets from the fans, from the community, from pretty much everybody universally, Gaethje could lose, win two, and then be right back in the discussion. I don't know if Charles gets that kind of love to to bounce right back. What do you think? Like in terms of who needs to win this one more, who do you think it
1: is? It's an interesting question. And maybe I'm just a fan when I respond this way, but like, what else does Charles Oliveira need <laughs> to do? Right. I mean, I don't think about my championship calls before I make them, but, you know, doubt him now, folks, right after the game when I believe it was doubt him now, like where, where is this doubt coming from? So for me, I feel like who has the more entrenched UFC legacy right now? It's Charles Oliveira, you know, Justin Gaethje, I think is 33 years old and he could be staring at 0-2 in undisputed UFC lightweight title fights if he loses this weekend. And then for Gaethje, not that he can't climb back, because I do think, you know, he could win a rematch with Poirier, go beat Connor, beat Nate Diaz. I mean, Gaethje can work his way back. Um, but I think the pressure's on Justin Gaethje. He's fighting at home, which could be he, neither here nor there. Um, I don't know, man. I kind of came up with Charles Oliveira in the UFC, if I can say that. So for me, it's like that guy's legacy is entrenched and and first ballot Hall of Fame stuff, no matter what happens this weekend.
0: Super interesting guy as well. Co-main event, Rose Namajunas, Carla Sparza, A lot of history here. Rematch, seven-plus years in the making. Strawweight White title on the line. Car- Carla finally gets her chance to win back the title. First meeting, won by Carla Sparza. Tough 20 finale. It seems like forever ago, but here we are. Carla earns her way back to a championship opportunity. I feel like she should have gotten this shot last year at some point, but here we are. She bided her time. Now we get it. Your thoughts on the matchup, the rematch for the gold in the division that never lets you down, John?
1: That's a good way to put it. It is probably my favorite division, certainly in the top three. The men's bantamweights right now are like, what are you talking about? So last time we spoke... I had the benefit of the fighter meetings before we spoke. This time around, I do not. And I think of all the fights on the main card, I'm really focused on the fighter meetings for this one because if you do watch UFC 274 countdown and you watch Rose Namunis and Pat Berry watching back that first fight with Carla Esparza, it seems like maybe they're being a little bit respectful to Carla's win and that version of Rose. I kind of want to see behind closed doors what they really think is the value of that fight. I don't even recognize Rose Namajunas in that fight. All of that being said, you know, Carla has made those developmental strides as well when it comes to her striking. The wrestling maintenance, you know, with her is always there, you know, works exceedingly hard. I'm glad she's getting the opportunity. It feels like a real meritocracy. I know she had a bide her time a little bit but it's really worthy you know she's put together a tremendous body of work it's so hard ask Tisha Torres right who was just on a streak and a lot of people thought she beat Mackenzie Dern how hard it is to win five or six straight fights at 115 pounds so yeah fascinating stylistic matchup um you know, I just have to think that this version of Rose Namajunas has has closed a lot of that gap. Uh, you know, just the wealth of championship experience, and and not just the finishes and her flair for the dramatic, but the 25 minutes in those rematches with Joanna Jacek and Zhang Wei Li. Um, so, you know, I hope this isn't too predictive in nature. I'm surprised that Rose is minus 190. I thought it would be a little bit north of that, but um, fascinating backdrop, obviously, to the co-main event.
0: Yeah, I'm really curious what Carla's mindset is going to be like when you actually speak with her, because sometimes when you're in these situations, and I know in the Yanni and Jacek fight, sometimes those cameras, the lights, everything that goes into it it can be a lot of pressure on you, especially heading into a pay-per-view event. It's been a long time since she's had to feel this, being in a championship situation. Rose has been there. It's been her downfall at times, but now it's helped her rise up a little bit more. She's used to it. She knows what it's like. She knows the baggage that comes with being a world champion and everything that comes with it. That's one of my bigger questions: What's Carlos Spars's mentality going to be like heading into this fight? Because that's usually a lot of questions. I felt like the Korean zombie. That was one of my questions heading in. Yeah. He was calm, cool, and collected. Didn't matter because Volkanovski pitched a perfect game. But you know what I mean? Like I feel like I, I want to see what Carlos going to be like at the media day tomorrow or on Wednesday as we record this. I'm I'm looking forward to just I'm really intrigued how she's gonna handle this. She's gonna be nervous, she's gonna be loose as a goose. What's it gonna be?
1: I think she'll be loose. You know, I tend to like college wrestlers in this situation, right? With all of that one on one experience. And, you know, I gotta think there have been a lot of nerve wracking one on one competitive moments in her athletic career. And um, you know, I know she has that sort of pre-fight disposition where she doesn't give you anything, you know, that stone face and uh, so that's sort of part of the whole Carla as far as a vibe. But um, I don't know. I worry more about like her energy expenditure than I do her ability to fight well. You know, I know we've talked about this before, but Valentina Shevchenko monitoring her monitoring her energy with the media in fighter meetings. A lot's going to be asked of Carla this week, and certainly the same can be said for Rose, but I think how she sort of manages that um is going to be critical to her success because I think we could be digging in for a long fight.
0: I agree. A lot of options for the winner here. We got Marina Rodriguez. we got a big one coming up next month, the rematch of the greatest fight of all time in a lot of people's minds. Yours, I believe. Ioannion Jacek, Zhang Li, And then we have Jessica Andrade coming off a quick submission win a couple of weeks ago in a main event spot. I'm giving you the mighty pencil here, John. I know it's a tough job giving you the mighty pencil here in this division that that we all admire so much. Who's next in line in your eyes to get the winner of this fight?
1: You know, it's tricky when I try to play matchmaker because, you know, at my core, as Joe Rogan says, we're just professional fans, you know, and it's not because I married into a Polish family that I stay this. But I recently went back and watched the first fight between and Jacek and John Wei Lee. Now, calling it live, I always say you can toss out my scorecard, but I thought Joanna won live. I watched it back again. And despite the second forehead, I still thought Joanna won that fight. And had she won that fight, she wouldn't have sat for two years in all likelihood. Right. So she... Has not fought in two years. And if Ioanna Young Jacek can come back and beat Zhang Wei um, you know, I don't care what her series with Rose Namajunas is, is historically, if Rose is the champion and gets by Carla, and certainly Carla would love an opportunity against any of these women. Um, but for me, I'd like to see Joanna Young Jacek have the inside track. I love Marina Rodriguez. Andrage's resume speaks for itself. Um, but when you have in the back of your mind that Joanna sort of should have left that night the champion, you know, maybe she gets a slight little push there from me.
0: I want to go back to the, to the feature about Chandler versus Ferguson. Like, like we talked about earlier, not much needs to be said here. It's perfect matchmaking in my opinion. One thing I noticed is something you said on social media is that you've seen a lot of love being shown for El Kikui this week. He gets these massive reactions everywhere he goes. Every time he fights, it's a very big deal. Despite losing his last three, what have you seen from fans this week in support of Tony Ferguson that led to that tweet?
1: Well, I'm not looking for it. Right. But I kind of am looking for it because I've been trying to put this guy on a pedestal for years. And uh, were it not for a wayward television cord. You know, there would be no debate as to whether or not he's in the Hall of Fame. And, you know, some people don't care as much as I do sort of about these legacies being acknowledged to that extent. You know, but I just love Tony's style. I love how hard he has worked you want to talk about inimitable. You want to talk about one and only, I mean, you want to talk about a fighter you tell your kids about, right? Nate Diaz is another guy, but Tony Ferguson, there's only one, you know, and I look forward to, you know, showing my daughters and my son film on him um, when they have more of an appetite for all sorts of red stuff spilling out everywhere, you know? Um, but yeah, I guess I just like to see the avid fan sort of acknowledge his legacy when it is his fight week. And um, I just hope he competes well. I don't think this is going to be the last Tony Ferguson fight week by any Stretch of the imagination. You know, I still think there's some fight left in the dog, even if that's the uh, minority opinion. Seems like he's reset button, the aforementioned year away, bringing in the college wrestling coach. Um, you know, I agree with you. I like the matchmaking, and uh, we'll see what Tony can do with it.
0: It's crazy thinking that these two guys only have one win in the UFC between them in the last three or so years. But yet, what I like about this fight so much, John, is that nobody cares. Nobody cares. They just see these two guys on a piece of paper, they see these two faces on a poster. And they just, they're in, they're all in. You don't see that that often in the yeah. sport.
1: Well, and the, the top of the division is interesting because what if Tony Ferguson is able to do something this weekend, then all of a sudden he's in the top five coming off a win and there's going to be a groundswell of support for him to get some sort of fight. Now, if Islam Akashev is listening, we understand that nobody's getting passed up here in line, you know, but there's a lot of things that could happen this weekend. And the same could be said for Michael Chandler. Because if he wins this fight, he positions himself for a big fight. I don't know if it's going to be Dustin Poirier. I don't know the extent to which Poirier even wants that fight. But then Chandler all of a sudden finds himself in a title eliminator if he beats Tony Ferguson, you know, already has the rankings. So um, the implications are vast Conor McGregor factors in this mix, too. Um, and you have an active champion that wants to collect scalps. Um, and even if Gage is the champion, I wouldn't be surprised to see him, you know, try to make a defense in short order, you know. Um I let like that either so many different ways that you can stay relevant, but I still think the best one is to compete every three months. So um, yeah, we're going to get some clarity one way, one way or, or another, my man.
0: That's the main car. We get OSP Shogun two, which by the way, if you told me last year, Hey, you're going to see OSP and Shogun have a rematch in 2022. I would not have believed you, but here we are. And another fight, I may not have believed you that we would see on this card is Joe Lozon versus Donald Cerrone. This is unbelievable. So I think I know what your answer is going to be, but I like to ask you about the low key banger, the fight that might not be getting enough attention this week that that you have circled. What's that one for you?
1: So I always bring the fight card when I sit down with Michael Heck here and um, it's probably Roy Vall and Schnell, you know, a couple of rank guys in the flyweight division and, um, you know, Schnell more the old reliable in this equation, but Brandon Royval has had a fascinating UFC career. And stylistically, you know, I'm not sure there's a more crowd-pleasing guy on the roster. Like, you can't take your eyes off the guy. And he's certainly going to have a a willing compadre here in Matt Schnell. And um, I don't know, it seems like every time I cap a flyweight fight, I'm thankful that the division is still here. So that one jumps off the card. Randy Brown and Chaos Williams is unbelievable. You know, I always think it's a lazy take when you say, oh, I hate the one guy has to lose. But, dude, that fight is effing fire fire and you know i don't know like i'm an amateur but i think both guys could be ufc champions and a lot of people think that's crazy like chaos williams is so much more than just power you know these guys have the want they have the desire they have the metal um i don't know man we're i mean i wish we had 14 fights instead of 15 because i'm up against it on the back-to-back but it's
0: a good card uh two last things i know we were running out of time i saw the report so i might as well just ask you here it's the trio is reunited in the broadcast booth, UDC, Joe Rogan.
1: Yes. And I, that's often breaking news to me. You know, I, I assume that it'll be the three of us, you know, if the schedules are aligned. sometimes when I see the headline, it's breaking news to me. If I haven't, you know, dove in headfirst to the TV, Matt, which I have not done yet. Um, but yeah, it'll be exciting. I, I guess it's been a while, um, since the three of us have been together and, uh, yeah, D.C. has had um, a few things on his schedule, and obviously he's one of the busiest mans the me- out, out there, the media mogul, but we'll be we'll be happy to have him back for the first time in a long time.
0: He's our, he's our Michael Strahan. And last thing, you mentioned the Bantamweight division. You were there. You watched Cheeto Vera put on the performance that he put on against Rob Fawn. It's just amazing because there's all this talk. I know you had the great Sean Sheehan on Anakin Florian recently talking about judging and how to score fights. I feel like this is the quintessential scoring In 2022 modern MMA, because you look at statistics and even, I think even before that, Rob Font versus versus Jose Aldo was the the standard bearer, because if you looked at that, just the stats and didn't know anything that happened in that fight, you would think Rob Font pieced up Jose Aldo for 25 minutes. And if you look at the stats for this past Saturday, you would think Rob Font pieced up Marlon Vera and easily won the fight. Turns out. Rob Font lost nine, sometimes 10 of those rounds, depending on which scorecard you looked at. So Marlon Vera, huge win. The guy is a zombie. He got hit 270 times and he was singing, dancing and smiling in there, John. The guy is a freak. How good is this guy? Where's the ceiling on Cheeto Vera?
1: Oh, the ceiling is championship. And I think a lot of us have felt that for a long time because he has a lot of tools that you really want namely the best cardiovascular base in the UFC, perhaps, right? So you can start there with Cheeto Vera. I mean, there's certainly going to be room for improvement. You know, I would like to see him prioritize a fast start one of these fights to see what that can do for him. He's very good in the clinch. So I think trying to figure out a way to get into more of those situations, submission offense is always something you can work on. But Cheeto Vera absolutely can beat Jose Otto in a rematch. He absolutely can beat Aljamain Sterling, and he absolutely can be UFC champion. One thing I would say, too, as far as the numbers are, concern. You know, as a commentator in real time, I'm not trying to score fights. I'm trying to call out strikes and the guys in the back who are calling out the strikes or scoring them, I should say, you know, we're all human beings, right? So yeah, I mean, some of these strikes might glance off the arms and some might not land, but Absolutely incredible defense out of Cheeto Vera tremendous will and just offensive willingness from Rob font. I mean, it was an Epic fight and uh, probably one that'll withstand the test of time, at least in terms of the fight of the year. But uh, yeah, I think Cheeto will find himself in a title eliminator. And if he wins that, um, might be time. Might be time for the belt.
0: <laughs> oh, man, so many fun options for him right now. You could do Yan, You could do Corey. You could do Cruz. There's just yeah. so many fun options for him right now. But uh, there's lots of fun options in terms of this fight card on Saturday, John. You get to call all of them, all 15 of these bad boys. Huh. Here we go. UFC 274, Phoenix, Arizona. You will hear this man's voice for several hours on Saturday. John, always appreciate the time. Safe travels. Enjoy Phoenix, my man. Thank you, buddy. Great to catch up as
1: always. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.